Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Mindful Mama Podcast, episode number 110. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be a scream-free parent with Hal Runkle. Thanks for helping me, Sora. Yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of peace and cooperation. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft. You heard one of them, my now eight-year-old. Oh my gosh. Now she's with me here. She's like dancing around. Do you want to say hi? Do you want to say something? <laughs> More? Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. I am so glad you're here. This was a very powerful conversation I had. Hal Runkle is a life, love, and leadership coach, and he's the New York Times best-selling author of Scream Free Parenting, helping parents create the family life they want by learning to pause more and react less. And he really closely coincides with everything we teach at Mindful Parenting. And so I want you really to be prepared to have the ground under your feet shifted by his wisdom. He's gonna make you question some things and you're gonna learn about what is the most damaging lie of parenting 
and some mandates in all traditions and cultures to love your neighbor as yourself. And he asks this incredibly tough question that makes us really confront that. So I can't wait for you to hear how he's going to really be great. So what's going on here? And now if you're listening to this live, how is that in a few days, registration for mindful parenting closes. We are in just a short window where the registration for the full live course is open. And I invite you to check it out at mindfulparentingcourse.com. It's pretty life-changing. We get to some really deep, basic things, and it's amazing. People always tell me, oh, it changed my relationship with my partner, too. You never know. And I, you know, it's interesting because I think people are always surprised at the power of the change that happens when they invest in themselves and the learning and these relationships. Like this is the most important stuff in our life. So we should be, you know, we take a course to drive the car. We should be learning and growing. And that's what really fuels us as people is to grow and learn and to serve the world better. So I invite you to check it out at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And now, Onto this episode with the amazing Hal. Hal, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad you could be here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Your book, Scream Free Parenting, Scream with an M, which we, yeah. we just discussed, <laughs> but is so in alignment with what we do here in the mindful mama world and mindful parenting and things like that. And you have so much insight to offer. I really want to dive into that, but I also want to know, I'm a little curious about your own background and I'm kind of curious about how you were parented and did you have parents who were pretty pretty calm and regulated themselves or or was it something that you had to learn a little bit more on your own well let's dive right in uh (laughs) well first of all i'm a licensed therapist i practice coaching now but i'm a licensed therapist and that should tell you that i didn't have a good childhood (laughs) no 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 therapist had a good childhood (laughs) we're all sick in that way but my wife did not, uh, we got married very, very young. And part of it was kind of escaping from our families. And, and it's great now, everything's much better with our families, but uh, both divorced, both scandalous divorces, both, it was, it, was not, it was not great. And I was screamed at and chased around the house with spanking weapons and- Oh, it was uh, a wooden spoon for me. I'm totally with oh. you. Yeah. Wow. See, here's, <laughs> it was a drawer of wooden spoons for me. I found this shirt. I need to get it to my brother, but it said, I survived the wooden spoon. Oh my God. Oh my so God. I thought, I, thought, I thought about getting that shirt for my brother, right? Because our sister, she avoided it altogether, but me and, me and my brother, good Lord. So we got married, my wife and I got married very young, and I was in graduate school when we had our first child and it was a big big surprise and talk about the stress of parenting that you're never ready for but you're really not ready when you have zero money no jobs no health insurance and four more years of grad school and staring you in the face so i though was able to stay home because my wife she was a teacher and had to finish out her teaching contract after giving birth so i stayed home for a long time with our daughter and she was the most colicky baby that doctors in our town had ever seen. 
Oh no. Oh, just no. unbelievable. Every day it was three hours where she was completely inconsolable. And you just prepared for it and you knew it was coming. And there was nothing you could do except walk around and bounce her. I had to hold her kind of face down like a football in my arm, uh-huh. you know, and that yeah. would calm her stomach, but bouncing. So I couldn't rock, I couldn't sit. I had to walk and bounce. So my calves were great, but my my <laughs> mind was eroding. And I just had to do different things. I mean, I was like, I would challenge myself. Can I outlast her today? What can I do? How long can I withstand this before I go crazy? And one time I couldn't do it mm-hmm. and I lost it. And I stormed into her bedroom and I dropped her into her crib. And she landed on a pillow, so she was fine, but then it got worse. I screamed at her through gritted teeth, shut the blank up. Uh-huh. And then it got worse. I noticed my hands and my hands were moving toward her in like a choking position. And thankfully, I had the wherewithal to realize, wow, this is how child abuse happens. This is how shaken baby happens. And so I paused and backed away and backed away and I backed away all the way out. I went outside. She's still screaming in her crib, but she's safe. She's fine. And I screamed to the heavens. I don't know what I am going to do, but I know I'm never going to do that again. And it was this watershed moment. We don't have many of these moments in our lives where I just, I've turned a corner and that's no longer an option. Mm. Uh, Screaming and hitting is no longer an option. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do because that's not available to me anymore. And so it just became part of my identity. I have brown hair, I have green eyes. I don't scream my kids. And it was just who I am. But I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't know at the time that I was going to create something called Scream Free Parenting. But certainly, I, I believe it was the seed was was planted. You know, it, the, it was conception day right there, and about four years later was delivery. Wow! Wow! So you're this colicky, this incredible challenge. This colicky baby was this yeah. blessing in disguise because it really brought you know, this challenge that you needed to deal with right to the surface. And I always say that kids are like our Zen masters because they show us all this work we need to work on. And you got it really quickly and really early. Yeah. I like the way you say that because it, nothing, well, I'm going to, I'm going to correct myself. There is one thing that asks us to be a grown up more than parenting. And I believe that's marriage, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) And we, I have a whole new book on that called Scream Free Marriage. But which I wrote with my wife. And then afterwards we decided we will never do anything professionally together again. <laughs> but with parenting, it asks us to be grownups oh, and yeah. it challenges us in the way that we don't want to be challenged. But like you said, we need to be. Yeah. That moment brought it out for me. And thankfully I passed that test. And that's one of the big, you read the book. That's one of the big messages of our materials at Scream Free is kids are born to test us you're feeling tested, then that's an accurate perception. You are being tested. And it's not like they're you know, subconsciously thinking about or, or consciously thinking about how can I push all of dad's buttons today. But it is remarkable how they know what buttons to push and when to push them when we are least likely ready for it. And it's the witching hour at the end of the day, right? Or it's the mornings or whatever it is. That, and the reason why they test us 
is because it's the only way they know how to ask us to be better leaders. Sure. Not like my 18-year-old son, he's graduating in a few months. And it's not like he's going to come to me and say, Dad, you know what? I've been doing a lot of thinking. A few months later, a few months left, I really need you to step up your game as a man and lead me in blah, blah, blah. You're not going to do that. (laughs) But he's going to test me like, so are you paying for my gas? Have I ever paid for your gas? No. So are you going to pay for my gas? Shut up. But (laughs) these tests, right, are still going to come. So what did you do in that moment? So you, you had this moment where you're like, oh my gosh, you were scared by your incapacity, right? You saw yes. that, you know, what is in other people that you've seen as them before is also in you. And yes. you said, I'm not going to scream anymore. So how did you take care of the inevitable difficult feelings that come up, the inevitable frustration, the inevitable anger, all of those things? How did you take care of those feelings? Well, the biggest thing is I talked about it mm. immediately and talked about it with my wife and talked about it with some mentors and t- talked about it with counselor. This idea you can hide or you can heal. And I knew I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I got, had to find out. And so it was on a quest, you know, and, and it was one of those also motivated by I am not doing what was done to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. And so what do I have to do? And it was just this, all right, you got to figure this out. Because this amazing creature in my hands deserves better from me. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. So it it just began this quest. And uh, so we talked about, I think, if I remember correctly, my wife and I talked at length about it then. And she's like, do I I need to quit? Uh, Do I need to whatever? No, no. Right. But then it was, all right, how do I need to change my routine? Here and just instead of just staying in the house, where where can I go? Because I'm staying home. This is the job. What do I do next? Hmm. And so it's interesting. One of the biggest things is I began to try and find, and this is and this is kind of a quest of my life because I was a philosophy and theology major before I became a therapist and hmm. did a whole nother graduate school, and then I switched. And so I've always been searching for philosophy is this search for universals. Hmm. What are these universals that apply to anyone and everyone throughout time? And, and so that's what I kind of began to do is search. What are the universal truths about parenting that are true, whether I believe them or not, whether I practice them or not. And that's really what scream free parenting is. It's just a collection of principles that we believe are truths, whether or not you practice them, whether or not you believe them. And so I, I kind of searched out for this quest and it's interesting when I want to get really good at something, I volunteer to teach on it. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) That calls me, and I'm sure it does the same for you. It just calls me to this level of integrity. Like, well, you can't get up there and fake it, man. Yes. Right? You got to really learn it if you're going to teach it. It's one of the, yeah, exactly. I I get that completely. And and that's how how all my books have come about. That's how all my speaking gigs have come about is I I say yes to an invitation to say something I've never said before, or talk on something. And now I got to figure it out. So like three weeks ago, I was asked by this big private school here in Atlanta to talk to the ninth through 12th grade boys about sexual respect and consent and harassment and violence. And wow. that's not an easy audience. Yeah, I bet. Because there's kids sitting right in front of me and it's about 200 boys. Like there's one sitting right in front of me that that kid's, a freshman who has yet to hit puberty and then three people down from him as a kid that I bet that kid had sex this past weekend. (laughs) So how do I address that in a, in a way, and it's a Christian school. How do I address it in a way that is edgy enough to keep their eyeballs right, but not so much that it's dismissed by the fact that I use certain words. So So putting myself out there. One, I love, I absolutely love what you say right in the first chapter, I think it is, but this idea that the most damaging lie of parenting is that we are responsible for our children. So tell the listener, what is wrong with this idea that we're responsible for our children? Well, if I'm responsible for them, then I'm accepting a truth that says I am the determinant of their behavior. That ultimately how they behave is a reflection on me. And we buy this lie hook, line, and sinker. 
I mean, we have the first kid, right? And we swear our kid's going to be the best behaved kid in the world. And so we get the parenting books that promise this amazing system of rewards and punishments, you know, and we get the check, we get the kind of charts on our refrigerator with check boxes and stickers and stuff. And we're, you know, they're going to behave. Now we don't do that with the second kid because it doesn't work, but we do that. <laughs> with that first kid because we bought this slide and I am going to turn them into well-behaved kids. And then they turn two, yeah. <laughs> right? And they, t they look up at you and thwart your whole system with one defiant word, you know, no. And what do I do now? This kid has a mind of their own, but yet I'm responsible for directing and making the choices of this kid. It, it's philosophically impossible for me to take responsibility for their behavior, but then expect them to take responsibility for their own behavior as well. <laughs> yes, that, yes, I love that. Say that again, because it's just such, we need to underline it, right? Yes, it is philosophically <laughs> impossible to take responsibility for their behavior and at the same time be upset that they are not taking responsibility for their own behavior. Amen. And I, I tell folks, if you get nothing from Scream Free, this is what we teach more than anything, that you are not responsible for anyone else and their choices because you can't be. Mm -hmm. Because if you are, then guess what? They're not responsible for their choices. And that's the exact opposite of the entire goal of parenting. The entire goal of parenting is not to get better at managing their behavior. It's to help them get better at managing their own behavior so that they can leave whether it's leaving to go play next door or leaving to go to college. I, my job is to help prepare them to manage their own behavior. And that starts by recognizing that I'm not in control of their behavior and I'm not responsible for it. Now, yes. I so love this. I just want to say, because this, this idea that we can put this, you know, we can force this thing from the outside in is impossible. And you're just underlining that. And it has to be yes. from the inside out. Like fear is not going to make them do the right thing when we're not around. It may make right. them lie to you about what they're doing and it may make them sneak, but the fear is not going to make them put it in their hearts and in their minds that this is the right thing to do from that intrinsic motivation from the inside. And you're, you're just underlining that so, so beautifully, Hal. And well, some people though will say, well, you know what, if they're afraid of me, at least they won't make mistakes, which is stupid. But we think that, right? We'll give into <laughs> that because we're so overwhelmed with the task, right? Yeah. And because we've bought into the lie, I'm responsible for their behavior. So here's, a, here's an interesting illustration I use to point out uh, when I speak to audiences is, look, we're not saying we don't have any responsibility. We're not responsible for their behavior, for the choices that they make. We are, though, responsible to them for the choices that we make. And that is the crux of parenting is getting that. And so an example is, think about Columbine school shooting. There's an amazing book written by the mother of one of the shooters. And it's, it's called A Mother's Reckoning and it is haunting, it's so well written. It came out, I think, 2016. Wow. And it is hard to read, but it clearly illustrates, is she responsible for her son's actions? Mm -hmm. No, she didn't pull the trigger. Did she fail in her responsibilities to her son? Absolutely. And she's the first one to say it. Did she miss tons of signals? Yes. You cannot allow your son to stockpile 
an arsenal in his bedroom, right? Without recognizing I failed in my responsibilities to him. Yeah. So it's as simple as, okay, a one-year-old throws the toy. Am I responsible for the, whether or not the one-year-old throw the toy? No, I didn't throw the toy. Now, my one-year-old didn't make this amazing decision based on an algorithm of decision <laughs> science, right? But I didn't throw the toy. So who's responsible for throwing the toy at the kid? Now, who's responsible for whether or not the kid had the toy? Well, that's me. It's a silly illustration, but it makes all the difference. It's I'm in charge, not of the choices they make. And maybe this is, this is a good way to say it. I want you to see how it sounds to you, but I've just come to realize I don't have any control over the choices my children make. Because if I did, then they wouldn't be making the choice. I'd be making it for them. Mm -hmm. But I do have a lot of control over the choices my children have. Mm -hmm. And that's parenting. Parenting is setting up an environment where my kids know the choices that are available to them, the choices that are not available to them, and the consequences of whatever choices they make. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can respond to what's happening and and like you say so beautifully in the book we can influence and we can create that the only way we can create that influence is through our connection but you're right like the environment oh gosh such a huge part of that right like we can create environment that you know gives them choices and empowers them or maybe disempowers them by maybe having too much or not not enabling them and all kinds of different ways yeah exactly so case in point this weekend, we had a couple of FaceTime conversations with our daughter, who is a junior in college, and she's deciding whether or not to live off campus next next year. And it was a great time. I, this same girl that I, you know, screamed at when she was when she was a baby. I, I love my relationship with her now so so much. But she's wrestling with this decision, and the way that we handled college was: look, this is the amount of money we will give to you every semester. And no more or no less. So if you choose a school that costs less than that, you get to keep the money. If you choose a school that costs more than that, you got to come up with the money somehow, working or whatever. And now she's trying to make this decision. So she chose a college that gave her a lot of scholarships. And so she's actually banking some money. But (laughs) if she makes this, yeah, great, right? Totally different than graduating with tons of loans. But she had to come up with those scholarships and she's had to supplement or she's supplementing it with work. And now she's doing this full-time internship for her whole junior year. It's very cool. But this decision that she's going to make, we're completely supportive if you want to move off campus. We'll completely be emotionally supportive of you, but we won't increase the amount that we promised you. Mm -hmm. Because that wouldn't be fair to you. My job is to help you learn to make decisions with within a certain framework. And that's what's helping her because like, look, this is the millionth time, one at first of a millionth time where you're gonna have to make decisions like this over and over and over again about what do I do with limited resources? Well, we can start that right now with our kids, with the four-year-old. You know, people say, well, you can't give them choices. I'm like, okay, so you just tell them what to do, right? Well, yeah. Well, who decides whether or not they do it? Well, like, guess that's the kid. Yeah. So you're already saying, make a choice, but you're not empowering them to make a choice. You're not helping them see that it's their choice. 
You're just telling them, don't think, just react to my strong voice. And how is that helping them learn to make better decisions and own their life? The reality is it's not. It's not. And that's what we see in majority. Unfortunately, I see that majority of kids is, I don't have, I have capacity to make decisions. I work with millennials a lot. And that's one of the big things with millennials is, is they're so overwhelmed by all the possible choices they can make. And they don't know how to make choices with limited resources. Because they haven't. They haven't had to. They but. haven't had to. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I love that you write in Scream Free, you say, you should not be in the business of forcing compliance at all costs. And you talk about the language of warfare, right? That we use this yeah. language, like you've got to pick your battles. And you talk about this idea that it's unless they're, yeah, it's like, unless we're free to make their own choices, they can't make a connection between their choice and, and the consequences. And I think right. that, it makes so much sense, like this idea that, and this idea of the, the warfare language really resonates with me because if we're with our kids, we absolutely have no influence with them. And I, and I really, you know, my kids, my daughters are 10 and seven now, but I really see that a lot of the rebellion and the fighting and the, all right. the difficulty that comes around when kids are adolescents is not maybe necessarily all due to that natural separation, but a lot of it is like due to this, this us against them mentality, like me versus you, this warfare mentality that we start from the very beginning. And then finally, when they're adolescents, we just have way less power over them in terms of punishment and et cetera. And so right. they, they're done with us. <laughs> exactly. And it's a measure of survival for them because adolescence is the same sort of life phase as the two and three-year-old yeah. where it's called differentiation. And it's, they're trying to tease out who am I vis-a-vis -vis who is mom. And, and that's why they say no when they're two years old. Right? It's this recognition that, hey, I'm a separate person with a mind of my own, and I can say no. I don't just have to be an extension of dad or mom. I'm my own person. And how we handle those twos and threes when they do that shapes a lot of how we handle adolescents when they enter into that phase. Because if we see that no as a threat, then we're going to adopt more and more of that military war language, and we're going to win at all costs. Well, what if the cost is your kid's ability to function in life? Right? What if the cost is your ability that you lose in all ability to influence them forever? That I talk to parents at, and recognize what you want is to be able to, when your kids are teenagers, do you want them to voluntarily come to you and seek you out as a guide? Well, yeah. So how is screaming at them and telling them what to do all the time going to help do that? Mm -hmm. versus you just tell a four-year-old, hey, in 10 minutes, we are leaving for preschool. You don't have a choice as to whether or not we are getting in the car and going to preschool. Now, you do have a choice as to how we get in the car. For instance, just find something that they can take ownership over. So you can choose option A or you can choose option B. Well, what's option A? Well, option A is the timer on the microwave goes off after 10 minutes. We skip hand in hand out to the car, whistling and singing. You get in your car seat and we listen to the Frozen soundtrack on the way. What's option B? Well, option B is the timer goes off and you fight me. So I will use my physicality to pick you up 
And then you'll do one of those things where you fight me on the way out of the house and you're like reaching for anything and everything, kind of doing the spider thing with all your arms and legs to try and prevent <laughs> us from putting out. And then we'll get in the car seat and you'll do that plank thing with your body, you know, you're stiff, right? You, know? you bring <laughs> it back bad memories, Hal. <laughs> exactly. But I remember saying this, I will gladly push down on your pelvis to get you strapped in your car seat. And then we're going to listen to Led Zeppelin on the way. <laughs> And I mean it. Here's the biggest thing that comes with it. And this is where the scream free part comes in. Yeah. Is I'm okay with either option. That's the deal. I'm okay because I gave you the option. So if you make the choice, then I live with that option. So that option is we're happily singing together. Or that option is I'm going to have to do more engagement to help us move along. But I'm not going to be mad at you for making that choice because it happens to make my life more inconvenient. Yeah, so it's all about lowering lowering that reactivity. And also part of it, you, you, it sounds like you're talking about this perspective of not taking it so personally, like this idea that coming from the stance of we are responsible to our children rather than for our children is taking a lot of the like, I'm taking it so personally, right? Out right. of it, you know, it's, it's, exactly. it's like this, you, this is you and your choice. And boy, I'm not thrilled with that choice, but you know, okay, that's your choice. And so that helps us coming fundamentally from that stance helps us to lower our reactivity and take it less personally. And that's the biggest thing. I want to take it seriously, but I don't want to take it personally because I don't want to give my kids that much power over me. Yeah. See, when I take it personally, then I'm needing them to behave a certain way in order for me to know how I'm supposed to feel about myself. And that's handing my emotional remote control over to the least mature person in the family. <laughs> Why in the world would I do that? That makes zero sense. Well, it's funny that we all complain about our kids pushing our buttons, but none of us ask the question, well, how did I hand them my remote control in the first place? <laughs> right? And we do it whenever we need them to behave because we see their behavior as a reflection on us. We need them to get good grades because it's not just their grades they're getting, it's our grades that they're getting. And then we complain that our kids are feeling entitled, whatever. You've given them so much power by saying how you behave is how I feel. Mm. And that's not leadership. And we wonder why our kids don't respect us. How can they? Why should they? I remember talking to my son, hey, you know, I, and I was just like wanting to say, you can't, he was talking rudely to me when he was young once. You can't talk to me that way. You know, and he's thinking, what? Uh, I just did. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right? And he can anytime he wants. I hear parents, well, you can't let him talk to you that way. What do you propose that I do? Because I, I absolutely have been tempted to physically remove his ability to speak many times during his childhood. But obviously, I'm not going to do that. So all I can control is my response to him talking rudely. And here's what's empowering is you hand that control right back to him and say, hey, dude, you can talk rudely to me if you want. I can't control what comes out of your mouth. All I can do is say, look, if it continues, then your couple things going to happen. If you still talk rudely to me, then one, it's not going to make me upset because you're not that powerful. Two, it's not going to change my mind because I've already made it up. I was telling him no to something, right? And three, if you keep it up, then you're going to lose your Game Boy back then for the rest of the day. So go right ahead. Hmm. Well, when you know what your response is going to be, then you're not trying to determine what theirs is. 
You're just determining what yours is. And I've removed all the power because one of the reasons why they continue to talk rudely to us is because we keep failing the test and taking it personally, and they're going to keep poking and prodding and poking and prodding. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, now you say, you know, like your emotional responses are up to you and you always have a choice. So I want to push back on that a little bit because we are biological animals, right? And we have this stress response, right? And this stress response is often, for some people, it's activated very quickly and easily. And, you know, we, in the mindful mama world, we talk about using the tools to lower our stress response and to help kind of work with that biology. But emotions arise, you know, and sometimes anger arises. And and the thing is, like, I worry that this idea that our emotional responses are up to us can make people feel guilty and make people feel like it's another thing to berate themselves on that I'm getting angry or that I am getting upset, you know? So I wonder if you could talk a little bit more to that. Absolutely. And Let's be very careful with our language here because it, it really matters. And I think you've, you've highlighted it well. This is not saying our emotions are up to us. It's our emotional responses are up yeah. to us. And that's the main job of being a human is learning to exercise the part of our brain that no other animal has, which is the neocortex, the frontal lobe. And it enables us to do something as human beings that no other animal can do, which is when in the midst of feeling those emotions, I can actually pause. I can pause and begin to think how I want to respond. Now, does this always happen? Of course not. But I can't blame anybody else for that. 
Mm-hmm. That's where we get in trouble is, well, I, if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have gotten so angry. Yeah. yeah. Well, basically you're saying he's in charge then. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of you. This is about recognizing your emotions are going to be all over the place and they're going to get stirred up just like it was with me. But I cannot surrender any of control of my emotional responses. Just because I'm feeling it doesn't legitimize me going with it. That's a reaction. And reacting is what animals do. Responding is what humans do. And is do we do it well? Sometimes. But do our kids need us to do it well? well yeah. And so... That's why they need to listen to your podcast. That's why they need to go through exercise. Why we need to meditate. Why we need to do things, better things with our body. Why we need to, as we say in the last chapter of our book, put on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. Everything, taking care of yourself so that you are prepared for this next test is paramount to great parenting. But don't feel guilty that you feel angry. Don't feel guilty that you want to slam your kid's head against the wall. Don't feel guilty that you want to just quit and run away. It's, what do I do recognizing those feelings? Can I name those feelings? All right, I'm feeling very frustrated. All right, and this is one of the things that's the hallmark of all therapy or coaching even, is let's identify what you're feeling. And the second you can name that, Mm -hmm. then to use an old AA expression, you can begin to tame it. So recognizing what this is exactly what i'm feeling right now it's the first step of emotional intelligence if you will but it's recognizing i I can't control what i feel but i'm getting better and better at controlling how i respond to what i feel yeah yeah just that whole like identifying naming it it gives us that tiny bit of separation then suddenly we're not it's like i think of the metaphor that i'm like so much recently is the idea that then we're not like in the waterfall under the water then we've just kind of stepped out and we're looking at the waterfall instead right Right. like it's just that tiny bit of separation that that can give you all the power that you need to you know do that pause and it's a practice and it's a muscle that we build over time absolutely and there are times when we need to recognize when our muscle is not strong and and that means you know what i need a break And sometimes one of the things I love telling parents is you don't have to come up with the perfect consequence right now. Just pause and say, you know what? This was a doozy and I'm going to have to think about it and probably we'll talk about it tomorrow. Now, here's the beautiful byproduct of that is now the kids are really thinking about their behavior all night because they're wondering what the response is going to be. But you've just given yourself a time out to pause. So I like, I love the waterfall thing because you're talking about kind of the Buddhists have called it the watcher where you're able to step outside yourself and observe yourself. Just, it's a pause and it's all you need. It's all you need. That's why, that's why we just created our brand new product is called the pause platform. And it's this learning and growth platform that's through, that's online through an online application. And it takes our material and gives you teaching of it, but much more, it gives you all of these activities and exercises along with another growing community who's going through it as well, where you begin to put it in practice and talk about, hey, I struggle with this one. Hey, I did well with this one. You have a, you keep a journal and you, you note your improvement throughout every single principle. And I'm more excited about it than anything we've ever done. And it's because of this idea that 
this is a muscle that needs to be intentionally grown. Yeah, and exactly. And it's so much more productive than just hoping that maybe our kids will grow out of this. Yeah, and then we're modeling, and then we're modeling how to regulate, how to how to pause. We're showing we're showing them that this is skillful human behavior. Uh, exactly. I love I love what in that chapter where you say put your own oxygen mask on first. That you get some evidence from the the Christian New Testament about the idea of self love, and I really appreciate that because it seems like there's a lot of self-harshness. I mean, there's of course tons of like self-harshness in our culture, but for me personally, I've seen, I've seen a lot of like kind of Christian roots in that and that that judgment and things like that. And I really like that you bring out this idea that self-love seems to be taken for granted in the idea of love thy neighbor as thyself. And I wonder if you could talk to that a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how that assumes a level, and it's both in the, the Hebrew Bible and the Christian New Testament, is it assumes that you have a level of love for yourself, and it's saying to that level, that's what you should love others. It's not loving others in spite of yourself. It's not loving others instead of yourself. It's loving others as you love yourself. Now, what's interesting about that is I don't see a lot of people loving themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I asked a tough question, well, what would it look like if you loved your kids as little as you loved yourself? Mm. Look at the way we feed ourselves. You know, we make them a wonderful balanced breakfast and then we rush out the door with coffee and a donut. But it's got to be a flip. Is, okay, if I love myself and take care of myself, here's the beautiful thing is, then you don't have to take care of me. You don't have to behave a certain way in order to help me stay calm. You don't have to be in charge of how I feel about me. I'm in charge of that. And I'm, it's not just permission. You know, a lot of folks love that chapter because I'm giving them permission to take care of themselves. And it's I'm like, no, it's stronger than that. This is the only way you can parent the way you want is if you are taking care of yourself enough that that's the same level that you extend to them. And it's hard dealing with anything that's back that people back in religion mm-hmm. like for instance the spanking debate mm-hmm. right, based based on a bad translation and i can speak the or i can talk about the, the original languages and say how that's wrong but once it gets on that then it becomes this eternal thing right so but what do we do with this idea that a lot of folks hate themselves mm-hmm. and they guilt themselves into feeling horrible and that's no way is that going to create an upward spiral Mm-hmm. It automatically creates this downward spiral where well, I can't do it right, and I'm never going to do it right, and these kids, and they're never going to do it right, and we all are just wandering lower and lower. Instead of, and I quote an ancient monk in that chapter, and I think this interpretation of this monk, monk's teachings is one of the things that has saved me as a parent. Because, look, it started from the beginning with my daughter. I am not naturally scream-free. I mean, people sometimes, oh, you're this calm. I am not a naturally calm guy. I'm very reactive. I mean, Me just, neither. I'm just yeah. saying, I'm so with you. <laughs> this, is, this is life and death for me. This yeah. is why I teach this stuff, because if I didn't, I'm afraid of who I would be. And so one of the, the teachings that this guy did, it was called the Four Degrees of Love. This was taught about 1,000 A.D. 
or so. And he said, look, the first level is selfishness. I love me for my benefit. It's all about me. Second is where most of the rest of us are at. I love you for my benefit. I love you. I take care of you. And then you reciprocate. Or I love you so that you'll appreciate me or so that you'll then treat me better or the way it makes me feel about, I mean, this is the quid pro quo exchange model of relationships that a lot of people, most of us live in, if we're honest, but we try to, in terms of this religious or Christian ideal of level three, which is, I love you for your benefit. There is no me. It's all about you, right? Everything's all about you. In reality, this is just a self-righteous veil over level two that says, look, no, it's not about me. I mean, you know, the martyr, the martyr parent who says, oh, don't get me a gift for Christmas. I'm like, yeah, don't fall into that trap, right? Because the second you, t- you follow that, you're dead because it's so passive aggressive. And that's really what level three is. The reality is no possibility of not being you. You're you. You're involved. So that's why this guy thousand years ago came up with level four and it's remarkable in its simplicity but i think it makes so much sense it changes everything i love me for your benefit i love me i take care of me so that you don't have to so that i can be in a position to serve you lead you without needing any particular response from you i don't need you to make me feel loved I don't need you to make me feel appreciated as a parent. I don't need any of that from you. I don't need you to behave. I don't need you to make good grades. Because what kids need most are parents who do not need them. Mm. I don't need you. This I want those things, but I don't need them in order for me to do my job. Mm. And that frees them up to be them, to be themselves, to explore, to make good choices, to make bad choices, right? But if we don't take it personally because I don't need anything from you, that's because that's not loving if I did. So what I need to do is take better care of myself because that's the best way I can be the best mom or the best dad. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's beautiful because say, hey, you mean I can treat myself well? Yes. You mean I can take nights out for myself once a week with my girlfriends? I don't know how you live if you don't do that. No but moms, oh, it's a, it's a moms sometimes don't do that. I remember though, oh, yeah. I have a night out with my guy friends on Monday nights. It's pretty much been weekly for 17 years. And one time my son is having a baseball game. He did travel baseball and blah, blah, blah. So a high school baseball game. And my wife is there because it's a Monday night. So I'm with my guys. And she's sitting next to one of my other guy friends. And where's Hal? So, oh, he's out with, the, out with the guys tonight. You let him do that? And she just turned to him and said, I don't even know how to answer that question. Right? <laughs> what world do you live in that your wife has to give you permission? Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunately the world that a lot of us think we're supposed to live in. But everything changed when my wife, for her, when she started playing tennis again, when our kids were like five and three. And it was this amazing community, exercise, outside, away from me, away from the kids. A lot of moms don't take that permission for themselves because sometimes it's, we guilt them into thinking you can't even do that. 
You can't do that and be a good mom. It's an either or. It's either you take care of your kids and sacrifice everything for them, or you do it all yourself in a selfish way. And that's a lie. So hear that, listener? This is not even permission. It's beyond permission. It's your responsibility to go have fun in your life, to have it's, your own life, yeah. so that you're, yes. you know, it's not just you're you're dependent on your family and others to fill you up, like you fill yourself up. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I yes. love that. I love it. There's so much I could talk to you about that I loved about screen pre-parenting. I love that you talk about the negative power of labels. I love that you talk about giving our kids space and letting them struggle. There's so much here. I would love every listener to definitely go out and get it. It's such a great book. So unfortunately, I can't talk to you for hours and hours and hours, and I need to re- respect your time. So where can people, besides coming out and getting the book wherever they can, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? At screamfree.com. And all your listeners can go on there and you can get a free copy or a free trial copy of the Pause platform. And it's totally free. It's about an hour's worth of exercises and videos for me and stuff. And you can see if you like it, right? See if it speaks to you. And you can also get the book there as well. But that's where everything, that's where the blog is. I do a daily, it's called a daily pause. And it goes out to 30,000 folks five days a week. You can sign up for that for free. So it's all at screamfree.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hal, for, I mean, I just want to thank you for taking this very personal journey and turning it into this work that has benefited so many. I think that it's, it's a really powerful message that we need more and more and we need everyone to hear these messages of fundamental messages of letting our kids be their kids and having their own choices and us taking responsibility for ourselves and our own reactiveness. It's incredible, incredibly powerful message. And I, I just want to thank you for the work that you've done. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. You know what? It, if I started off to change the world, I don't know if it would have happened, but I, I started off to I've got to figure out a better way to do this for me. And if I really say I love my kids, then I've got to find a better way. And, and thankfully, I think we did. And it's the weirdest thing. Now, it's so many years later, my daughter's 21. My son is 18. We're a couple months away from an empty nest. But it's just the coolest thing that I get to enjoy my relationships with my young adult children yeah. in a way where you consider them you know, friends because you were able to be such a good parent hopefully that you can enjoy time with them as friends is is just remarkable and I think that's what every parent wants and I think that's what every kid deserves yeah yeah this is this is absolutely you know your kids are part of a wave I feel like we can change things for the next generation and I really believe yes 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 all right awesome thank you so much Hal thank you Thank you so much for listening. I love Hal's question, questioning that whole assumption that we we are responsible for our child. I hope that's made you think some today. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff, right? If you have questions, you want to see the show notes, you can go to mindfulmamapodcast.com. And remember that if you want to learn to be a scream-free parent, if you want to learn the tools and techniques to bring more mindfulness in your life, to understand why you're being triggered in the first place, to have the ways to pause, and also to have the language to respond so that you're not using threats and punishment and you're actually 
parenting your child more from the inside out and, and you have the language to create that cooperation from the inside out, we are enrolling Mindful Parenting right now if you are listening to this when it comes out. So go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join us and join the tribe of amazing women who are doing this work and I promise you won't regret it. And I think that's it. Unless, Sora, do you have anything else you want to say? No. Okay. Thanks for your help, honey. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a wonderful week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say that so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and the hidden myth that undermines your parenting. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.